Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Honored again to be able to share today. Uh, uh, tonight, uh, Pastor had asked me to go ahead and share it on, on the gift of teaching, and I'm honored that he would ask. And so uh, the series that we're on is entitled Driven, all right? It's entitled Driven. The study comes from the book of uh, Romans, chapter 12, where Paul is introducing this concept of the body of Christ. In the most basic way that I can put it, uh, you, you know, uh, basically we are one body with many members and Christ is the head. And so the most important thing is that Christ is the head. Can I get an amen on that? The next question I should be asking is, all right, so what does it mean that we have different members? And how do those members function with each other? The, the answer to those questions is the concern of our study tonight. So God designed us, each of us, in a very unique and specific way. In my case, for example, he, he made me he, a big guy, all right? So I'm a big guy and I'm okay with that. that that's a physical design, an, uh, uh, an outward design. But God also, for example, gave me a passion to teach. That's an internal design. That's, that's inside of my heart. That's inside of the blueprint of my heart. So another way to ask the question as we go through this is, how did God design me? I want you to think, what motivates me to get up in the morning? What drives me? Like what gets you up? What makes you take a skip and, and, and hop out of bed to go do something? That's what we're looking at tonight. Paul describes seven different designs or motive gifts. Indeed, there are seven of them. And, and, and seven ways in which we are intrinsically motivated. Say with me, motivated. motivated. That's what they are called the motivational gifts or the motive gifts. We've already studied the gift or that personality of the perceiver and the server. So if you weren't here last week, you can find all this information at faithassembly.org driven. You can actually go there. If you're online, maybe it's the first time you connect with us, you can get all the info there, see the profiles, download them, faithassembly.org slash driven. Tonight, we're focusing on the gift of the teacher. Say with me, teacher. How many teachers in the house tonight? Okay, yep, I see your hands. How many teachers since the last week of school this week, or you're almost there? Yes. Uh, how many teachers need a vacation after the school year is over? Yes, the altars will be open later tonight, and you can come and pour your heart to the Lord. All right, so let's uh, talk about these uh, score sheets that we have. So when you walked in, uh, you were given two score sheets, and if you did not receive one, you can raise your hand, and an usher will kindly and gladly will provide you with one tonight. But we have two score sheets, and so the yellow one is a self-assessment we would like you to complete tonight. On this one, I will literally walk you through each one of these points one by one. So I don't want you to stress, oh my God, we're doing a test. Don't worry, it's one that we will take together and we will follow along. 
You will hear a statement, and you will score yourself according to how much that statement describes you or not, from zero to five. So as we go along, you say, okay, that's me. I'm going to mark a four. Oh, that's not really me. I'm going to mark a one or even a zero. So you're going to follow along in this yellow one. Once you are done, you're going to take the score and enter it on the profile sheet, and that is the white one. And so this is where we are keeping record each week to see which gifts are dominant in our lives. And so uh, we do this step by step. So again, don't get stressed. We will walk you through it little by little. All right. Can you say little by little with the accent and everything? Okay. How many of you like the practical teaching of the Word of God? Some people say, well, I don't know how the Word of God applies to me. Well, I don't know. Let me tell you, this is as practical as it gets. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty and studying what these things mean to us. So please listen, because God may speak to you about you or about someone else that's close to you, and we want to learn and grow in the Word. Tonight, we're going to go over the characteristics of those who have the gift of teaching. Those who have the gift of teaching. And so we're going to go one by one, and the first one is the following. Teachers need to validate truth to certify statements that have been made by others. So the Bible character that most closely resembles or symbolizes or, or possesses this gift of teaching is Luke. So Luke wrote uh, in Luke 1, 4, it says that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Luke was an incredible author, and he wrote truth. And he wrote it in a very systematic approach. He not only wrote the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. So from him we know the story of Christ, and from him we know the story of the work of the Holy Spirit through the early church. How many of you praise God for Luke and the talent of the teacher? Hallelujah. That's the kind of uh, gifting that brings out these results. And so... Uh, uh, teachers need to validate truth and certify statements that have been made by others. So one example I can give you is if I hear a quote, because I have the gift of teaching in my life and I don't see the source, I don't like that. I like to see who quoted. If it's not your original thought, please cite your source. Who said that? So don't go posting. Well, you can post stuff online, uh, but you know that if you do not put the source, you will be annoying me very much. Um, and I hope you can forgive me. But, and if you post the source, I may still check if they really did it, because just because it's on the internet, it doesn't mean that that person said what they said. Okay, let's keep going. You know what I'm talking about. Number two, Teachers have the tendency, of those with the gift of teaching, have the tendency to validate new truth by established system of truth. All right? So Luke not only relates Christ's words, uh, he, he relates Christ's words to Old Testament prophecies, but also relates his writings to other gospel accounts. And so truth validates truth. Uh, to me, uh, the best example uh, that I can confirm something in the Word is by something else that is in the Word. That's how you validate truth if you're a teacher. We continue. Three, teachers uh, have the prompting to give teaching credentials before speaking and to get them from others before listening. And so this is where, you know, those with the gift of teaching like to uh, study or prepare themselves. Sometimes maybe uh, you have achieved some sort of academic degree. And so 
a teacher will tell you what their academic degree is. They will say it, and they will. Maybe if you don't have this gift, you don't really worry about letters after or before your name, but teachers worry about this kind of stuff, and they will tell you. Sometimes you will see a signature, you know, I don't know, Julian Smith, uh, and a million little letters afterwards. That's all those credentials, because credentials are important to those that have the gift of teaching. Um, the next one. Uh, those with the gift of teaching desire to present truth in a systematic sequence, all right? So Luke wrote uh, in the word, uh, one, Luke 1.1, 1, 1, it says, to set in order from the beginning to write to you an orderly account. And so he uh, speaks, or the word references this uh, person named Theophilus. He's like, I'm going to give you an orderly account of everything that happened one by one. This reminds me of us several years ago when we were developing or writing the curriculum for discipleship right here at Faith Assembly for our growth classes. We wanted to make sure that we had a sequential, incremental, orderly account of the, the basic principles of the gospel. And so we make sure we had Foundations 101, 102, 103. It's still set up that way. We like it sequential. We like it incremental. We like order. So uh, it allows people to learn better. Uh, and so that's what teachers do. Next, teachers delight in researching and reporting as many facts on a subject as possible. And so that's one of the uh, funny things about those who have this gift. Uh, research is not a chore. Research is a joy. So you tell a teacher, hey, can you do me some research on, on apples? I need to know the origin of apples and how that all came about. And a teacher will be like, yes, when do you need it by? Um, because we would think it's really exciting to go into the roots, historical uh, uh, root of how apples came about. That's what we would do as teachers. And so um, Luke's uh, gospel, by the way, is the longest gospel. He has more material in there than all the other gospels because he wanted to probably cram in as much information as possible uh, to make his case. Uh, he did the research, and he wanted to show that he did the research. All right? Moving along, six, you are uh, looking at your score sheets as you listen to each statement. You're going to say, all right, I think that's me from zero to five. And so you're marking as we go along. Uh, and then that way, at the end of the message today, you will have your score sheet complete. Number six, teachers have an emphasis on the importance and accuracy of reporting. So Luke uh, give, pr gives precise descriptions of events, conversations, circumstances, and even physical conditions. So all the Gospels uh, talk about uh, Peter's mother-in-law being sick. Uh, some say that she had a fever, but Luke writes she had a high fever. So he has to give specificity to the condition. That's not only because he was... Uh, had the gift of teaching. He also was a doctor. So he wants to make sure he gives not only an orderly account, but an accurate account. Number seven, an alertness to factual details that are not noticed or mentioned by others. So Luke's account is filled with more details of names, offices, cities, dates, events, and side points than any other gospel. So uh, this is because we, we, those with the gift of teaching concern themselves with, with a lot of factual details. 
Let me give you an example. Sometimes in my house, I may have one of my kids ask me, hey, Dad, um, so what's, um, when is Valentine's Day? Okay, that's a simple question, right? Yes, well, sorry, but they will not get a simple answer because instead of saying February 14, I say Valentine's Day, well, that's amazing. Did you know that the original saint of which that name came from in 1472, and I'll just go on explaining what Valentine's Day is, and when I look at their faces and they're tired of listening to me, I, say, I forget, and they say, oh, that's right, it's February 14. It's February 14. It's just facts are important and exciting and juicy for those who have the gift of teaching. Um, other people may not think so, but... Those with the gift of teaching uh, love it, all right? So number eight, we continue. A tendency to remain, to remain silent until information has been heard, observed, or discussed. And so Luke is actually conspicuous in the Gospels by his silence. So you don't hear Luke's uh, necessary, his direct statements or when he speaks. You do read his statements uh, as they are written. So that's another uh, description of those who have this gift. Number nine, a need to exercise diligence and endurance. Luke demonstrated his faithful determination by remaining with Paul in prison until the end. You know, in 2 Timothy, Paul is talking and he's saying, you know, Luke is the only one that remained with me. He stayed with me. There is something about teachers that makes them very loyal, very loyal. Uh, I know there are teachers right here at Faith Assembly that have been teaching in our Christian education department for 10, 15, and 20 years. And I'm talking the same class every weekend, day in and day out, year in and year out. And so uh, let's give a hand for faithful teachers and loyal teachers. It's incredible um, and admirable. So they're very loyal, they're very passionate, they're very diligent. Um, I know um, my wife has the gift of teaching, and she's very passionate about it. And one of the ways I know this is because it may be 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, and she's still working on uh, lesson plans and correcting papers. And I'm like, you know, hey, it's 11 o'clock. You know, it's a great time. I don't know. It's just a fun time. And she's like, oh, I got to correct 10 more papers. It's like, all right, go ahead. That sounds awesome. And she's passionate about it. And so they are loyal. They endure all the way to the end. And it's something to admire. Teachers enjoy word studies, right? Teachers are fascinated with words. They like to investigate root meanings. And so um, this is uh, something that I can absolutely identify with. I, I collect words. I think words are incredible. And when I hear a word that I love, I, I not only look for its etymology, but I make sure what the origin was. But I write it down, and I keep it in a, in a record. And I always think, oh, one day I'm going to use the meaning of this word. You know, Now, I may have 50 words saved in there that, I, that, are, that are fascinating that I may never use. But do I have them? I, yes, I do have the list. And it's alphabetized, guys. And... Um, and, it's, and, it, and I'm ready for one day that I can share this amazing knowledge of the root of this one word. And so, uh, yes, uh, fascination with word studies. Now, they are very useful uh, when you teach the Word of God um, because it really uh, shines a light into what is being taught. So, for example, if you say the word providence, 
Anybody knows what the word providence is? It's, a, it's an old word. Um, it's not used very much. And so if you say, oh, oh, may God's providence be with you. And you're like, well, that sounds great. What does that mean? Uh, but those with the gift of teaching are like, oh, providence. That's amazing. Let me tell you what providence is. Pro comes from the root first. Uh, uh, videnze comes from the root videre, which means to see. So when you say providence, it means that the first to see, which means God's providence is God saw it first and was already there before you got there. So God's providence is God's foretaught or his presence. He goes before us. He already saw it and knows our future. And now it makes a big difference. We say, may God's providence be with you. Because then it's like, whoo, so get it? So, I mean, I get excited about that stuff. Hopefully three people here do as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a part of the gift of teaching. Words are incredibly important. Number 11, prefers to use biblical illustrations rather than life illustrations. And so um, for a concept to be proven in the Word of God, I may add some illustrations and and my wife usually says, you need to add more illustrations. And I'm like, well, that's great. But I like to, and I, and I do hear her because I do need to add more illustrations. But I like to find other examples in the Word. So not necessarily real-life illustrations. I just want to see patterns. Where was that mentioned before? When was the first time that that was mentioned? To me, Word validates Word. And so that's a part of the gift of teaching. I prefer to use biblical illustrations rather than life illustrations. Number 12. It gets upset when Scripture is used out of, con out of context. Whew. If you have the gift of teaching, just say, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, all right? So um, doctrinal integrity is uh, something that people with the gift of teaching take very, very, very serious. So we will scrutinize doctrine that is heard, whether we read it in a book watch it online, see it in any YouTube or any, we're just going to go in and scrutinize the integrity of what, it being, of what is being said. In our Christian education department right here at Faith Assembly, uh, doctrinal integrity is one of our five core values. Doctrinal integrity, like five top things, that's one. And we have a team uh, that, uh, that is, that is their, their task is to go ahead and, and scrutinize our classes and the content of our teaching for doctrinal integrity. Not only before the classes are taught, we review it, but once it's being taught, I have... Uh, uh, Marcia Hendricks helps us with that. She's incredible. Uh, I have her as an emissary. Go to this class. Go check him out. Check out the integrity. What are they saying? What are they teaching? Uh, it's important uh, to those with the gift of teaching. Uh, amen? Moving along. So people with the gift of teaching, uh, it says it is more objective than subjective. They are more objective in their thought process than subjective, all right? So those uh, with the gift of teaching can, if, if they develop this gift really uh, strongly or really well, they can actually become incredible research scientists, business analysts, or judges because they just know how to think objectively. Uh, they don't let necessarily emotions get in the way, okay? That is when the gift of teaching is very developed. And so, by the way, you can develop these motive gifts uh-huh, I didn't get an amen on that one. I said, you can develop these motive gifts. If God gave you a strength, we should sharpen that strength so that it becomes better. 
I heard this quote one time, and I don't know the source. I'm about to quote something without a source. But to be fair, it was in a bookmark. They said, when I graduated high school, somebody gave me a bookmark, and it said, who you are is a gift from God. Who you become is your gift to God. And I thought that was wonderful, and I should have researched that before I said it, and I will find out who said it. But we can develop the strengths that God gave us so that we can be more used by God, like in a more excellent manner. Like if we can increase our academic level, our knowledge, our capacity, our level of professionalism, why not? Should not be we excellent for the Lord in everything we do? So just think about that as you think of these gifts. Number 14, easily develops and uses a large vocabulary. Teachers use words well and are fond of learning new ones. They are good communicators, often commanding in their speech and sometimes eloquent. And so, yes, uh, just you will know a teacher prayed a prayer because sometimes in their prayers they can be super eloquent. Um, I'm surprised sometimes when we are meeting for our Christian education meetings, I may ask somebody to pray and they just go through like, the creed of the apostles, you know, point by point. I'm like, wow. And then we're all like, wow, I'm so impressed by your prayers. Um, we think that's amazing. Anyway, let's keep going. Number 11. Um, no, actually, I'm going to move on to 15. Prefers teaching believers to engaging in evangelism. So those with the gift of teaching love it. Not ne they're not necessarily catching the fish or cleaning the fish. They love to teach the fish. Okay, so um, I remember doing one of these surveys about the giftings way back in, early, in my early Christian life, and I remember that I, sc I scored low on evangelism, and I got discouraged, and I prayed, and I repented. I said, Lord, why am I low in evangelism? Do I not love lost people? And I always condemned myself because I thought there was something wrong with me with that test. Later, um, when I read this uh, characteristic of those who have the gifts of teaching, I said, oh, that's good. I'm not, I'm not um, you know, nothing is wrong with me. I just have another strength. Uh, does that mean I don't love evangelism? No, I also have to continue to develop the love for that. But I just really, really enjoy once they're in to really disciple them, right? Uh, that, that process of discipleship fascinates those with the gift of teaching. Amen? Um, praise God. Number 16, Phil's Bible study is foundational to the operation of all the gifts. So when I first read that statement, I thought, what do you mean feels like the, stu the Bible study is? Bible study is foundational to the operation of all the gifts. And then when I caught myself arguing with the same statement that I'm about to teach, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that, that is so uh, typical. Um, we just... Uh, we just believe that the Bible is foundational to everything that happens in the church. And if it's not in the book, then we shouldn't be doing it. That's just uh, the way it, we may think. And so that's interesting. Moving along, number 17. Uh, those with the gift of teaching are intellectually sharp. Intellectually sharp. When I um, meet with my Christian education leadership team, you know, sometimes when we are discussing different issues, I sometimes feel like I'm in a, in a military think tank, okay? Because I believe we have the sharpest minds ever working in this ministry. And when we talk and discuss different items, I feel like, I feel like we can solve all the problems of the world on that day. 
because I, I'm surrounded, thank God, by some incredibly sharp and intellectual and high-capacity people, all right? I am humbled by the people that we work with. I'm humbled by the people that we have here at Faith Assembly serving in these ministries. And so uh, intellectually sharp, if you have that, you, and if you feel that's one of your strengths, you may have the gift of teaching, all right? Moving along, 18, uh, is self-disciplined and emotionally self-controlled. So teachers can set goals and stick to them and project time schedules and abide by them. Of all the motivational gifts, this is the one that grants the greatest emotional equilibrium because they are so highly analytical. Highly analytical, all right? Uh, number 19, believes truth has the intrinsic power to produce change. Let me say that again. Believes truth has the intrinsic power to produce change. So when teachers teach, they present the truth without necessarily explaining it to their listeners how to apply that truth to their lives. Teachers believe the application of that truth is the job of the Holy Spirit. So one of the favorite scriptures is John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth what? Shall make you free. So uh, when you hear a teacher teaching, sometimes you're going to hear incredible concepts from the Word of God, incredible principles being taught, okay, that are impactful, but not necessarily with each one a way to practically apply that to the person's life. Because the teacher may believe that sometimes the proclamation of that Word alone has enough power to go ahead and complete the work. Uh, but how many of you know uh, we can learn from the, from the exhorter, for example, from that incredible te uh, gift and say, you know what, let's talk about some practical applications to the principle we just taught. And so that is uh, something that I believe those with the gift of teaching can definitely learn. Believes truth has the intrinsic power to produce change. We believe the Word of God can change people, and the Word of God alone can do that. Amen. 20, we're on the last one. Again, if, we're following, if you're following along, you are going through this uh, yellow sheet. We're going one by one. You've been checking along little by little. Uh, the last one right here, it says, has only a select circle of friends. So teachers are seldom drawn to superficial friendships. They prefer a few close friends with whom they can discuss ideas and concepts. Sometimes they are loners. And so... This is just an interesting characteristics of teachers. So they may not have a ton of friends. And, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, even my wife and I, we can count our friends with our five hands. Does that mean we are not social people? No, we are. It's just uh, it, it's, we're extremely careful who we call friends. Um, that is just characteristic of those with the gift of teaching. Um, and it's just a very interesting thing. So that is number 20. If you... Um, have completed this section, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and total it there, right there where you are, so that you can go ahead and get the score, the total score at the bottom, as I continue to share a few more things. There are other biblical characters with the gift of teaching, not just Luke. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla also had the gift of teaching. Timothy in the Bible had the gift of teaching. That is Paul's protege. Uh, and also Thomas had the gift of teaching. Now, let me say something about Thomas here. I feel like every time people call Thomas doubting Thomas, I feel like I need to, I feel like I need to come out in Thomas' defense. 
I don't call Thomas Doubting Thomas. I call Thomas Intellectual Thomas. Thomas was the type of person who just lives his life needing empirical evidence for things. That is not necessarily a wrong thing. There are people who are so analytical, they process things scientifically. And they need to see physical proof of things. That is not necessarily a weakness. There are people who are equipped that way because they are used by God and professionally because they are designed that way. And so all Thomas was saying is, I need to see physical proof. Yes, you can say he doubted, but I still don't like it when you call it doubting Thomas. Because I believe there's a lot of people out there who are like Thomas. They're intellectual Thomas, and they are, you would find, for example, uh, professors at UCF. Uh, they are going to be those kinds, of, I'm just mentioning UCF because it's nearby. They will need some evidence as you preach the gospel to them, not just giving them a word that may sound emotional or cute to them. They're going to need some intellectual reasoning when you present the gospel to them. They need to touch the wound to be able to believe. Remember, when Jesus does come to Thomas, he doesn't necessarily beat him up, but he meets him where he's at. He's like, hey, Thomas, you wanted to see? Come. Come see. You can, you can put your finger here. Now, does he put the finger? He doesn't even need to. At that point, no, Lord Jesus, I saw all I needed. You're my God and you're my Lord. And he surrenders to him right there. So, so let's give some credit to Thomas. That's just the way he was wired, and that's okay. Can we say Amen. All right, that's it. I defended Thomas. Let's move on. So um, if you have your yellow sheets, now we're going to go to the back side, which is typical problem areas of teachers. Um, we're moving along here. Typical problem areas of teachers. And so first it was things that are characteristics or can describe a teacher. These are things that areas where if you're not careful or if you're not mature in these areas, those with the gift of teaching can get in trouble. So let's go there. Number one, it says, they can become proud in their knowledge. By the way, we're going to keep tally here as well. We're not going to necessarily add this one for the white uh, profile sheet, but it's still good to get a score on this one because at the bottom you will see a level of maturity. Okay? Number one, those with the gift of teaching can misuse their gift by becoming proud of their knowledge or proud in their knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So you have to be careful if you are intellectual, if you're gifted by the Lord mentally with some incredible capacities, even if you've also achieved some great academic levels in your life, you cannot let those things puff you up. There's nothing more beautiful than someone who is intelligent and humble. Oh, that is such a beautiful combination. There is nothing sadder than someone that has achieved some incredible academic position and they're just, you know, they're, they're haughty in the way they behave. And that's not good. The Lord does not like that. And so those with the gift of teaching have to be careful with pride. Okay? Say with me, be careful, be careful. with pride. Very important. And that's everyone, okay? Not only just with the gift of teaching. Number two, despises practical wisdom of uneducated people. So a teacher may tend to discount any learning which does not take place in the classroom. So, and the Jews marveled, John 7, 15 says, saying, how does this man know letters 
having never studied. And so that has to do with respecting credentials, what we were talking earlier. Those with the gift of teaching need to recognize that there are people who have credentials, and there are people who are just incredibly wise because the Lord, they have learned from the Word of God, and they haven't necessarily gone to college, but they have incredible wisdom, and God can, can use them in a mighty way, not even if they have not been trained academically or formally, okay? So do not look down on anyone who is uneducated if you have the gift of teaching. That also has to do with pride. Number three, communicates skepticism towards their teachers. So the attitude of a teacher can easily be, it isn't right until I check it out, okay? So teachers can be some of the most difficult students because they're in that classroom and they're, they're like, what, what are you saying? And it's like they're judgmental with what is being said. And so don't assume that type of attitude. Rather, be humble as you learn. Uh, one of the things we must have if you want to become a teacher at Faith Assembly, you must have a teachable spirit. Amen. Mm. Some of you uh, didn't hear me on that one. You must have a teachable spirit. So I may say simple things like, okay, so this, this scenario has happened. So a person comes in, hey, pastor, I want to teach at Faith Assembly. Here's my credentials. They open an accordion and like certificates and, and diplomas fall out. I mean, every color, every design. I mean, it's amazing. And it looks incredible. And they say, pastor, I've had 25 years of, of experience teaching in most various arenas of life, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then I say, uh, would you come to our discipleship classes? It's, it's foundations that you have to go through it to learn the DNA of our church. Um, so would you like to go to foundations? Foundations? <laughs> I don't know if you heard me. I said I've been trained for 25 years. Da, da, da. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, you, this person is not teachable. If you cannot be teachable, you, cannot, you should not be teaching, especially here at Faith Assembly, all right? So have a humble spirit and uh, have a humble attitude rather um, and allow God to use you that way. Can I get an amen on that? Number four, criticizes sound teaching because of technical flaws. And so what I want to say with this one is you can, be, you can be a critical thinker without having a critical spirit. Did you hear that? You can be a critical thinker. Nothing wrong with that. Just don't assume or cop a critical spirit or an attitude. That's not good. Number five, depends on human reasoning rather than the Holy Spirit's teaching. And so that's a, that can be a problem. So you can have a beautifully crafted and well-researched lesson, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, it can just be hollow and empty teaching. Just because it sounds pretty doesn't mean it's, 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 it's automatically backed by God. You have to still seek the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that when you teach, it just, it's not just words, but it's words that come alive. It's words that have power, and it's words that come with the demonstration of the power of the gospel. Amen? So don't just rely on your intellect if you have the gift of teaching. Number six, gives information that lacks practical application. The purpose of all teaching must be to exalt Christ and to promote conformity to his image. Please don't be um, teaching just to show uh, how much of the original Greek you know. Don't be doing that, please. That is uh, not good. Um, that does not help the gospel. Um, how I know you know it is if you can describe it in a simple form. 
If you think you show you know it because you have the original Greek and Hebrew and the Latin, that, that does not impress, well, the Lord, but also me. You, it's if you can break it down in a simple form, that's impressive, okay? Um, and give application, please, so that people can actually apply it in their lives. Number seven, bores listeners with details of research. So we already talked a lot about that earlier before. Uh, teachers can have a tendency to bore others because they may find information so enticing that others do not think is as enticing. So number seven, be marking if that's you, if that's not you, at what level, okay, on the other side of the sheet. Number eight, retreats into their own words, into their, their own world of books. So teachers not only enjoy research, but they see it as the basis of their effectiveness as a teacher. So they assume like, you know, if I have more books, that I'm more important, I am more prepared. You know, just because you have uh, five bookshelves, that does not necessarily mean that you are, you know, equipped and called and, you know, you have to rely on the Lord more than, than on your world of books, okay? Um, how many of you know what I'm talking about now? Mind you, I like books. Books are awesome, um, but they cannot be uh, the one thing I rely on. We rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Number nine, it's slow to accept the viewpoints of others. So this, uh, this can, th those with the gift of teaching can have a know-it-all attitude, and that could be a re real pitfall with some people. So don't be open to someone else's point of view. Be humble. It's the simplest way I can say it with this one. Uh, See the world through someone's viewpoint sometimes as well. That helps you. That gives you balance. Say with me, balance. Okay. Number 10. Those with the gift of teaching tend to be legalistic and dogmatic. So they like to go by the rules and they don't like to deviate. Being right is so important that the teacher uh, easily becomes argumentative. So, yes, I understand that you may be passionate because you have this gift, but please do not be dogmatic, okay? Do not be rude and do not use the knowledge you have as an, ex as an excuse to be legalistic or to, 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 to press your knowledge onto someone just because you have it. So avoid any legalistic spirit, any dogmatic spirit. Uh, teach with love and humility in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen on that? So now you've completed the other side as well. So go ahead and, and tally the uh, marks that you've been uh, given. And then here at the bottom, you're going to know, you know, according to the score you get, whether if you have the gift of teaching in your life at whatever level, you will know whether you're, you have a mature one, you're still growing in it, you're kind of average, you're immature maybe, or you need help. All right? And when we say we need help, it's okay to get help too. Amen? So how many of you are discovering new things from this series? Amen. Give glory to God. We invite you to come every single Wednesday because every one of these motive gifts is important. One of the things I was thinking about is some of these gifts can really confirm a passion that God may have placed in your lives. And some of you have been wondering or asking, what is the call of God on my life? Well, 
Many times the call of God is tied to the passion that he already gave you. And so by learning the motive gifts, you're going to learn your passion. And by learning your passion, you may very well learn what the call of God is in your life. And so it is important to learn and expose yourself to the entire concept of teaching, not just through the first one. So come all the way through this series and listen so that you can be fully equipped. Say with me, fully equipped. If you scored high on the gift of teaching, I did want to say that we are always uh, seeking uh, teachers at Faith Assembly for our grow classes. So I will give a little shameless plug-in right here. Um, we're, we have an awesome uh, Bible institute here called Faith Institute. We're recruiting professors all the time. We have discipleship classes, biblical studies classes. And if you can teach, we would love to have you. So at the end of service, you're going to see a table uh, with some green foliage out there on your left that it says grow and that's where you're going to ask for information and say hey i want to teach recruit me we'll have four trainings every year so we'll train you on how to do it and uh, you could be a blessing to the ministry of faith assembly let me tell you something a few things to close here the gift of the teacher helps the church complete the great commission that's one of the reasons why this gift is so important uh, the great commission says go into all the world and make what disciples. And then it says, teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. And so when you teach, when you exercise that beautiful gift of teaching, you are actually helping complete the Great Commission. That's why teaching is so important. That's, that's why classes and biblical content and doctrine is so important, because it helps people uh, it helps us complete the Great Commission. It's not all just about the going, but also about the teaching. And the last thing I want to say is that... Um, if you're a teacher, let me tell you, Jesus elevated what you do because he actually was the teacher of teachers. He was the best teacher that ever existed. Uh, Jesus was known as teacher. That's one of his titles. People came to him for knowledge and wisdom, and he was the best example on how to know all things, but teach it in a humble manner and teach it in an effective manner. And so if we're here, uh, it's because of that teaching ministry of Jesus that we have all been blessed by and learned from. Can we get an amen on that? Bow your heads with me right there where you're at. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We receive, Father, the teaching of your word, and we thank you that it is profitable for us. Literally, it is growing us and making us better and is feeding us, Father, and is feeding our spirit. Spirit. Lord, I thank you for tonight because you are doing a new thing. I pray that you would touch uh, the lives that are here, Lord, that came to seek you. And I pray for those that do not know you that tonight may be the night where they will uh, uh, actually give their lives to Jesus and surrender their lives to that incredible teacher of teachers, Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.